Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Words on Whiskey, episode 11. And uh, we're delighted to have some very special guests, guests uh, who personally are very important to me because they have been an inspiration to what we've done. Um, they really are cheerleading the success of Irish whiskey worldwide. Uh, and it goes beyond that. Um, they're ambassadors for the whiskey, the cocktail business, and for the whole of Ireland, I think, uh, Everybody will agree. So, look, um, I just cut to the chase and bring them in. I have one important announcement at the very end. And if you'd like to hold on to the very end, I'll, I'll share that with everybody. And other than that, I'll just bring in the guys now. Sean, Jack, hey, welcome. Yeah. Welcome Hi. to Dublin from New York. And <laughs> you're, you're, you're in the bar. Look, I'm delighted that you guys have joined us. Uh, it means an awful lot. And uh, people are really interested in what you're doing and how you're managing in the current climate uh, with everything going on. So I, I see you're in the bar, but uh, yeah. everything is shut. Yeah, we're the only yeah. people in the bar. You're only the people. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's, two, there's two managers, but it's it's just us. You're, you're doing both roles, all roles, all roles. Look, uh, thanks, as I said, for coming on. Uh, they are difficult times, and I know taking time out now is not the easiest getting around. What's been happening? Uh, you're, you've been closed since when, and what are the what's the outlook like, and how's the general situation in New York? I mean, we've been closed since March 16th. Um, they were starting the edge towards closing down uh, in the second week of, of March, and obviously the the pandemic uh, just like it proliferated um so we've been close since then the the general state of play in new york uh obviously in america there's the 50 states and each one of those states are, are in different phases because they're handling it differently new york just completely shut down um and they started going through the, a phased reopening so there was four different phases the bars and restaurants were in four, phase three but we were getting closer to phase three in terms of the bars and restaurants but that obviously coincided with uh, a widespread re-emergence of the pandemic in, in middle and uh middle and, and west of of america um so that led to our governor basically saying that you're not reopening um right. and they only are allowing outside establishments which is not available to us because we have bus stops outside so we, we can't we can't we can't open that um yeah. so we're clo we're closed there's no indoor there isn't no indoor bars or restaurants um and it looks like that that it will, I think towards the end of uh, September, we'll, we'll get a better picture of when it's going to reopen. But the, it's not inconceivable to myself and Sean that we won't be reopened uh, for, for that type of service until early next year. Really that long? Yeah. yeah. And, and personally, have you been affected? You, you haven't, or none of your staff have hit the virus or anything, no? Uh, we haven't got the virus, either one of us. My fiance got the virus. She had the uh, the antibodies when we were tested, but uh, I think some of the staff have had it. But I mean, all every every all of our staff are laid off. Right. Um, okay. They're, they're furloughed. Um, some of them have, have moved back to their original homes in America and stuff like that um, with with their families because they can't afford to rent without the income and in, in obviously a big city like yeah. New York. Um, so. So it's sad in that regard because, I mean, you know how much we value our staff and we invest in them with the education stuff and, and look after them with a, a bunch of different things. So it's, it's definitely yeah. a very challenging time. I mean, that must be one of the most upsetting parts of the whole thing, obviously, seeing the staff that you have invested in 
and, and staff that are incredibly loyal, incredibly hard working for you as well. And I'm sure that's a common bar thing. I mean, like we just before we close the, the, the quarter before we close, so so from the start of January until St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. We um we literally me and Jack were and loving every minute of being in this bar. We finally fe we felt we'd finally got what we wanted to get with staff, yeah. with product offering, with everything, the way the place looks. Yeah. We just mm -hmm. felt this is the best it's ever been. And it took years to get the staff that we wanted. It took yeah. years to get there was there was no bad eggs as we say back home. There was no uh, yeah. there was nobody it was a problem. Everybody was a good employee and a yeah. loyal employee and we were happy with the entire team. So to lose that team um, was devastating. And it yeah. took years. Jack, Jack, that's Jack's sort of responsibility is where, where he uh, he takes control of all staff recruitment and trainings and things like that. But yeah. what he put into that over years and, and to see it all just go like that is just, that's devastating for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the financial, it's it's the emotional and it's the, yeah. you know, the energy that's gone in, which I'm I sure I, is... I tell you, like Jack, Jack sent an email like, like last week, two, two weeks ago, briefing the staff that were sort of hanging on waiting yeah. to hear what would happen and uh some of the staff have moved back to different parts of america like chicago or, or, or la whatever to, to live with their families journalists yeah. but when he sent the email out it was it was a uh, devastating to the staff i mean they weren't expecting yeah. it and i'm surprised that they weren't expecting it because we're all aware of what's happening over here but it was devastating because i mean they all love the bar and they love yeah it. and yeah, then yeah. But we're good employers so uh so it was devastating for everybody you know it's devastating yeah. for us devastating for them I know what what is it in terms of employees that you look for actually? Um. I mean, for us, the big thing is obviously the. Uh, I mean, we kind of went through a, a a journey with that. We started when we started, uh, protect my myself particularly with the second floor, with being a more cocktail operation, focusing yeah. downstairs being the pub. I was looking more for for kind of technical proficiency, but with us moving more and more into our 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 kind of raise on that of like bringing the marriage pub into the 21st century the thing that we've realized now being open seven 78 years is that uh we we realize now that skill like your your attitude and your personality is much more important than everything else yeah um, we we have the training infrastructure or, or we had the training infrastructure to uh the the train the skills um so for us it's it's all to do with your personality your hospitality skills your 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 ambition your hunger yeah. Um, to be the best version of yourself, so that's really that's really the kind of stuff that that, that we look for. Yeah, look, I I've I no doubt if it kept going normal anyway, you'd be rejigging the bar anyway. You'd be looking for something to do. You, you don't really sit idle on your laurels and uh, take it for granted. You, you you constantly reinvent stuff. So, I mean, have you had a chance to do any of that now over this period or? I mean, I, I, I would echo what Sean said. It's the first time I mean, we've been open seven years now. Um, and it was the first time that the bar had really, we from, from the front of house, back of house, from the from the offering to the the customer engagement, the, the financial performance, the bar was really firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Uh, so it was heartbreaking. We really were in a great, in a great place. Yeah. Um, the thing that we uh, was, was most upsetting, we had literally just launched our Irish Whiskey Genius program, which was geared towards making sure all it's inspired by the apple genius bar um yeah. and basically those people know when you go in they know everything about everything that they sell all apple products and we, and we wanted to to put a structure in place that with our staff where they knew everything about all irish whiskies the distilleries the history the, the new distilleries coming on board all the labels all the different styles so we we spent an awful 
say probably a year and a half putting that together and we had literally just launched it um so it was it was very sad to see that kind of fall by the wayside but i mean that's something that we'll obviously pick it's up. not lost it's no, not it's lost not for good all, so. it's, all done, it's all done but in terms of like stuff we're working on now to be honest with you we're just working on on staying afloat and keeping the brand alive that's really what we're but we're also we're, we're, we're also on. working on two books one's uh One's about Irish whiskey cocktails, um, specifically about mm. Irish whiskey cocktails. And I mean, it's we, we personally think it's going to be a big book. Uh, we're probably going to launch it 2022, so run about St. Patrick's Day. And the other right. one that we're working on is, uh, it's one that's close to our hearts and, and one that I'm sure is close to a lot of people back home's hearts. Um, we're working on, um, and we've been working on it for a year. We've had people in Ireland, um, like archivists and people like that, uh, genealogists involved in, uh, in finding the information out for us. And we've got... The same over here. There's people over here that historical, like uh, people who get all the historical accuracy, accuracy right for you. But we're doing a book about uh, the Irish coffee, and okay. uh, and particularly like all all the rumors about where it was created. And that we're we're going to bring together the full story of who Joe Sheridan was, and uh, like like what happened in Dublin, Pim's department store, and then what happened in Shannon, and then what happened in America. And we're gonna we're just gonna talk. And it's like the guy that we've that we've had a uh, in um in in Ireland working with us is a guy called Sean T. Farrell. And he's really um he's really clued in. He's done a lot of work with Woolen Co and all that sort of stuff, uh, finding out all their the historical information. But the stuff yeah. that he has sent us back about this Irish coffee is is like second to none yeah. man. It's like it's yeah. it's 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 now it's now become a book that we were we're really, really excited about and we wanna because every time I read an article about the Irish coffee and I yeah. hear about the Brazilian coffee and all that is that Brazilian. Every time I hear that, it sort of makes me cringe because I know where it's going to start and I know where it's going to end. And I know there's something, the stuff that happened after that, the stuff that happened before that, where's all that information? And it's like, because nobody knows. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. We're, 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 we're really delving into the history books to get this information because I think everybody in Ireland wants to know this history. I, I definitely want to know it and um, we're excited about that. So we're looking at doing both those books by St. Patrick's 2023. Yeah, I mean, I know you're a huge proponents of Irish whiskey, and I know when you were here doing your tour, one of the things that stuck out to me when you when you were talking is, why doesn't somebody, in, why doesn't any bar in Ireland grab, you know, the copy Irish copy story and 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 say they're making the best Irish copy in in Ireland, yeah. you know, and uh, it was just something that stuck with me. So, it's Irish copy, obviously a huge seller and it's a great entry point into whiskey, but. Uh, I, I know you have a special recipe for your own. What, what's your standard whiskey for your Irish copy there? So we use uh, Bushmills, uh, just right. the original. Um, right. So there's obviously we're we're both now. Obviously we're aware that the, the the history, or at least that's what it says in the tin, will obviously elaborate on that more in the in the book. But it's the history was meant to be a single pot still. Yeah. Um, for us, we see the Irish coffee much more as a gateway cocktail, as a, as as you said, an entry point. Yeah. So we find the the higher grain percentage blends work really well as a as a as an access point in the Irish whiskey. So we we use uh, the the Bushmills original. We're both from County Antrim, um, so there's that there's that history there. Um, so that's that's what we've used. It's 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 it, one of our we sell thousands. Well, when we were open, we sold <laughs> thousands a week. Yeah. Um, and we were, were we we created our own glass. We we all, we went all out in every single component. Of the Irish coffee to, to get every single piece of that the sugar the coffee the cream the, the whiskey the glass and then obviously the book is just a further extension and evolution of, of kind of our our journey of perfecting that Irish coffee so there's no one person I mean you could talk about Dale de Groff 
he was a person that first inspired Sean and he was involved in co-creating the recipe with, uh, with Jillian, but yeah. the Irish coffee, so the, 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 the evolution of it in this bar, there's been so many influences and, and so many people involved to perfect in that. Yeah. Um, really, it really, I, I think there's that quote where, uh, it takes a village to rear a, a kid type thing. It really, the Irish coffee is exactly the same as that. At least our, yeah. our story of the Irish coffee. Yeah. Well, when I think of you guys and the success you've had, I tend to think of people in the, in the food trade and the restaurant business that have Michelin stars. I mean, you, you're obsessive and you take it to the level of detail that a Michelin star chef would, would bring it to. Is, is there a burden of that? Like, you know, you've achieved the success. You, like, we'll talk about that later on. But, but the level of success, is there a greater pressure to maintain it? than to achieve it in the first place? So I can only speak, I, I think myself and Sean are, are identical in that regards. When we wake up, we're never we're never happy. Um, there's always something that- <laughs> He's definitely never happy. No, I mean, not, I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm not in life. Never satisfied. About the, the, bar, uh, the bar in and of itself, I'm talking about specifically. Yeah. We always think that there's room for improvement. Um, so we had the obsession, like we go through we see one thing, we attack that until it gets to the level that we want, and then we, as soon as that's done and we're happy with that, we obviously go into a kind of oversight pattern, but then we move straight on to to the next thing. So, uh, Were you always like that? Were you like that as kids growing up? I mean, was there uh, was that attention to detail, that, uh, I'm going to say compulsion almost, you know, to have things right, or, you know, or is it something that you develop? And one of our one of our staff members was doing something like this a while back over here, and um, the person on the other end asked her about tell us about Dead Rabbit, tell us about Dead Rabbit, and and she said like, and she's one of our she's our head bartender here, but she turned around and said, um, "Do you ever see the way when you go to a bar, you sort of come to a point if you've been there a few years where you can't really go any further, and you sort of need to you need to change, you need to move on." She says, yeah. "Dead Rabbit is always evolving, and so." Yeah you're always evolving with it. So it's, you don't ever come to that point where, where you feel you've had enough and it's time to move on because it's constantly changing. And yeah. I, I think it, it excites us because we don't we don't ever want to be stale. We don't ever want to yeah. be like a standstill. We want to keep moving and keep going and keep coming up with ideas um, that we think are like what, the sort of ideas that we come up with, like the the uh, book on Irish whiskey cocktails. We were sitting, uh, we had an Irish whiskey fest, Irish whiskey fest over here last year. And, um, yeah. It was basically our staff that were doing the drinks. It was all Irish whiskey cocktails, and we're sitting there at the bar, and we said, "God, we need to do a book about these drinks." But that's that's what I'm saying. And I yeah. like that because uh, you've just got to constantly keep thinking outside the box. Um, what's needed? Uh, what's missing? Uh, yeah. What can we do to fill that gap? You know, that, that type of thing all the time. I mean, what one thing thing that impresses me is that there's not always a direct. I, I know you're all about. It's important, of course, to build a brand, and you've built a really successful brand. Uh, and a lot, a lot of the things that you do are financially beneficial, and some of them aren't. You know, um, so like the process of writing a book is not necessarily a, a proper making exercise, uh, or doing fancy cocktail menus. Not necessarily. I mean, the level you, the level you take it to, doesn't necessarily generate direct extra revenue, but it builds the brand. It builds yeah. the brand, yeah. Yeah, and you've built a, a very, very strong brand, either from the, the mascot that you started off with and then the, the rabbit itself and the brand name and you've taken it to the books and you've taken it to your whiskey, which I'll talk about as well at, at some point. Uh, so I'm sure there's going to be iterations of that in the in the future as well. 
but I've got your your book as well there. I just want to show um, show people the books that you've done, and this is only some of them. So forgive me for uh, not showing them all. So the first one there is uh, the drinks manual. Um, Ben Shaper, and I've spoken to Ben before as well. So that's going back a, a fair bit, I think, isn't it? it yeah. 2014, was that one? Yeah. 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 And then uh, the Mixology and Mayhem. I think uh, Connor Kelly helped with that as well. Yeah. And Connor then. Connor, and then Connor, Connor wrote that book as well, Body the Blonnie. Yeah. Yeah. So Connor wrote that, and uh, Elaine Hill was the photographer. And then. Yeah. yeah. You had Tim Hurley, who I met in Dublin last week, and he put us in touch. And uh, just want to talk about that uh, Barney to Barley book. It's hard to say, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's a fantastic book. I'll I'll tell you how the idea, like just to quickly tell you how the idea came about. Um, Yeah. I was always going back um, to Ireland to, Jack would have been doing a wee bit himself, but I was always going back like a couple of times a year. To yeah. look at old pubs and uh Jared Buckley from Middleton, he would have uh met me in Dublin. Yeah. I flew in at the airport, Jared would have picked me up. We might have hung about in Dublin for a couple of nights before we travelled right round I would have had maybe two counties and yeah. we would have we would have visited fifty pubs, um or thirty pubs, whatever it was. Um so I kept bumping into Tim Hurley in Dublin. And I remember yeah. clearly it was in um it was in a um uh, Mulligan's uh in oh, yeah. Pub- Pub- Street. Yeah, I met but, you guys there too. Yeah, it might have been. It might have actually been that night. I'm not joking. All right. Uh, Tim said to me, "We can't keep doing this. Uh, keep bumping into each other like this. We we all we actually all write a book about this and put some distillery stuff in it as well um, about the pubs and the distilleries. And it was yeah. a hard sell getting a, getting a publisher over here because they wanted to do they wanted to do distilleries. They didn't want to do pubs. Um, yeah. But the reason why I found it interesting to do the pubs was because I was bumping in just the way I kept bumping into Tim. I was bumping yeah. into Americans, and it w- there wasn't like millions of them around, but, but there was a handful of Americans. If I went yeah. to a distillery, if I went to Slane Distillery or I went to a uh, Tailing Distillery, there was a handful of Americans that were going yeah. there. And the thing that they were asking you was, where do we go after we've done the distillery? We're in Ireland. This is the first time here. Uh, yeah. Tell us what to do. And we were getting email requests from, from Americans over here. I'm going to Ireland next month. And they, they, they looked at us as if to say, we'll, we'll trust your word. What pub should we, if we want to see a real... Irish pub, what yeah. should, where, where should we go? So we wanted to do it like by region. Um, yeah. So if you were driving around the country, um, these are the pubs that we think you should go to. Um, and these are the distill- this is these are all the distilleries, but these are the pubs if you're in that area that we think you should go to. But that's yeah. how it started in, in Morris and in, in Mulligans and Poolbeg Street. Yeah. Well, if <laughs> for me, it's the perfect mix of the distilleries, the pubs and the history. Yeah. Like every section is nicely introduced, a little bit of history goes to the pubs and talks about the distillery. And, you know, even we get asked more often than not is, uh, what pubs should we go to? You know, so people are interested in the distillery, but, you know, they, they want to know where they can go and enjoy it. You know, a lot of the, the distilleries, of course, have their visitor centers and they are enjoyable. But, you know. Not, like, to be honest with you, an American, a person in America's idea or knowledge of an Irish pub isn't like what our knowledge of an Irish pub is. Um, yeah. they, see a lot, they see a lot of plastic pubs over here. Uh, mm-hmm. Plastic parties, and uh, uh, there the, the, there are a handful of good pubs, in, uh, Irish pubs in America. There's no doubt. Don't be thinking for one second. Saying none of them are good. There's a lot, a bunch of them that are good, but most of them aren't good. And I and I'll go on the record saying that because I don't. Most of them are not good. Um, so they'll be offended. We'll be in trouble. American comes to Ireland. Yeah, you obviously want to you want to 
shoot one in your breast, you want to say, this is an Irish pub. This is an Irish yeah. pub. This is what we consider an Irish pub to be, you know? So so they, they were basically looking at us because they trusted our opinion on the matter, you know? Yeah. Well, what was it like to travel around for? It was it basically two months with with Tim? And I think your dad was driving the, the I'll van. Let I'll let Jack answer that one. Yeah. I mean, listen, when you look back now, you, all you have is fond memories. Um, yeah. And you obviously have the book in your hand, so there's a ta- it's tangible. Um, yeah. The the It was an intent. Like, I, I think a lot of people, when they see a couple of hundred pubs and fit, or 30 distilleries and stuff, they think it's heavenly, yeah. but it was very intense in terms of, like, you were doing, could have been a couple of distilleries a day, five to ten pubs. Uh, you were doing local, like, things of interest, like scenery and and monuments and stuff like that so it was don't get me wrong it was an amazing trip but it was it was definitely full on it was two first the first one was two weeks yeah um in duration and then the second one was just over two and a half weeks so yeah. it was it was it was high octane um but it was i mean obviously the the, the work speaks for itself when you when you see the book and I, I would just like to add uh now that we're talking about this um when we were at the uh dublin liberties distillery last year uh, launching the book i think you yeah. were there um, I was, yeah. I, I sort of thanked everybody involved, and I forgot to thank Jack's father. So I want to go on the record <laughs> right now as thanking him because the morning after, I, I couldn't believe, I could not believe that I, I forgot to thank him. And I said to him that night um, in the hotel that we stayed in, I cannot believe I, I didn't thank you. Um, my God, I thanked everybody except you. And yeah. and he nodded. So I want, I want to thank him with my heart now. And I want to tell you now, if this was Big Brother, the, the thing on TV, Jack's yeah. dad would have won it because everybody was else was great and everybody insane. <laughs> yeah, so Jack, Jack's, Jack's dad was the winner of Big Brother. Uh, it's weird. I'm getting people from uh, joining from all over, from Osaka, from Stockholm, from Germany. I have a question in here. Uh, what is the question? To, the, to use the mic. Uh, could you ask if they have plans to be involved in releasing or collaborating on another whiskey following on from the success of The Dead Rabbit? So there's there's stuff happening with Dead Rabbit that we can't really get into, but there is plans that are there is plans for other expressions um, yeah. within within the category, but uh, they're still in very very early stages. So we're not we're not in anywhere to in any place to kind of talk about that. It's just just yet. Early days. You, early you, days. you probably know more than we do. <laughs> well, well, we had a step. We had Stephanie Sheen on. Yeah. Uh, one of our first episodes, second one, I think it was, and she's she's a tremendous ambassador. And actually, what what shone through is that your philosophy is really in line with uh, with hers and hers with yours. That yeah. was it was a great pick, and she's a great uh, brand ambassador for you. So I hope she should be back on the road soon with you guys. But uh, speaking of uh, your dad, Jack, you obviously, and it's very evident to me that you have a very special relationship with your father. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I could. It just shows from the few times I've seen you together that you, you do. How important is your family to you and how much do you miss them being out there? Not to say, Sean, that you don't miss your family. and well, but, <laughs> but it just struck me that uh, Jack's relationship with his dad is very strong. I mean, my, my, I, my father's my best man at my, uh, when I have my wedding. Um, yeah. So he's, uh, he's I look, my father's like Sean's, a, I see Sean as a brother and, I see my father is uh, my best friend, you know, so family, I know for both of us, family is extremely important. Um, yeah. and, and we take any opportunity to get home as we as, as much as we can. We try to get back once every couple of months to, to touch base with, with, with the, the, the people that are closest to us. So, and it's the same yeah. in New York, like the family, like we have a very small circle. 
in yeah. New York, it's uh, you know it's Sean or, or, or the people that work here, and we have a couple of other people, and we keep yeah. everything very very tight. You know, so uh, the the people close to us are, are very important, and that goes across all relationships, vendors, business partners, every like we keep everything very tight and locked in. I was yeah. I was already I was already between St. Patrick's Day when we closed, and now I'm going yeah. back to Ireland next week. Right, um, but you're going to miss Tim. Tim was over last week. I think he's going <laughs> back. Before that, I was I was already supposed to be in Ireland twice, uh, yeah, right. between yeah. between lockdown and that, and I had to cancel both times. Yeah, I mean that side of it must be difficult. Any long term plans to come back? I mean, I think me and my wife will end up back um, in maybe about eight or so years. Um, I know Jack's planning on staying here, but I think yeah. we'll end up back. Um, we just we're homebirds, you know, and. Uh, yeah. There's no place like home at the end of the day, you know. I still, yeah. I still very much refer to Ireland as home. I don't yeah. refer to New York as home. Well, uh, you can take the boy out of Belfast. You can yeah. take Belfast out of the boy, or something like that, or something. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you confuse like a New Yorker when you're sitting saying I'm getting home next week, and they're thinking, "But you're home." And I don't know, yeah. I'm going home. You know. Well, I mean, often the Irish when they go abroad, they're more Irish away than they are when they come mm -hmm. home. Yeah. You know? Listen, yeah. My, uh, my mom was a very like patriotic Irish woman. She 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 loved um, everything about that country, everything about it, and it's like. She always told me, like, when you were a kid growing up, you wanted to go to Spain, you wanted to go to the sunshine, you know? And uh, he was telling you things like, look at that sea out there. And it was like the, it was like the Atlantic or something. Look, it was rough as hell, up in Donegal or somewhere. And uh, <laughs> you were thinking, what the hell's pretty about that? But you, you don't understand until you're older. And it's like, I, I completely understand now, but I didn't yeah, understand yeah. as a kid, you know? Jack is too young. He will, he'll learn. No, listen, I, 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 I have a huge affiliation and affection for Donegal. That's where I spend most of my time in the summer. Where do you go when you go? So we're, I spend my time between Gorda Hork and Fulcara. Um, oh, yeah, to... I mean, I, I, listen, I, get, I get home as much as possible, but my fiance is American and, and yeah. I'm, I'm most likely going to have American kids and stuff like that, you know, so it's, it's, I, I will always make a huge point and uh, emphasize going back home every couple of months. You know, I look at it, it's not the summer. I don't know if you've watched Avatar, but when they, they click in to become the Avatars, that's the way I look at going back home to Ireland. You know, it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's that's weird. Falcar, actually. That's a quote and a half. <laughs> I, I've got the car stuck in a, stuck in the sand on Falcara Beach twice. Yeah, my, there's father's a, there's... Done, my father's done that a bunch of times too. And the tractor comes out and gets you? Yeah. Yes. I think he's making a fortune, that tractor man. Yeah. Like, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's a, a great business. Look, I want to take you back to Belfast, if you wouldn't mind, uh, and talk about where, where your, your upbringing and where you came from. Uh, I know you're both from Ardoyne, uh, and nothing wrong with Ardoyne, but it was a difficult time. I'd imagine when you, when you grew up uh, in, at that period, it was a difficult time. There were the troubles going on. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we look at Belfast today, and you, you, it's unrecognizable from from what it was back then. Listen, I, I, my grandmother always said to me, and I was growing up, there's 20 years of an age gap between me and Jack and Nick. Yeah. Oh my God. So uh, my grandmother always said, there'll be no peace in my lifetime. And it's just, see when peace came to Northern Ireland, nobody understood it. Like nobody, nobody believed it. It was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like you see to drop your guard because you were always on, as, yeah. we said in our, as we said in Belfast, you were always on code red. You always believed every passing car was yeah, a potential yeah. gunman that was out to kill you. Every, and yeah, we were on code red every minute of the day. See, yeah. did not feel that way. That was weird. Um, to let your guard drop was like it took years. It didn't. It yeah, didn't but I mean, even in the last seven, eight years, you know, you still see what you see now. I think in Belfast is an optimism that yeah. wasn't there before. I think uh, probably the ten years before that was just a relief from all the the household. I mean, 
you know, there's been a huge change. And as I said last week, I mean, we dedicated last week's show to John Hume, who's, I think he played a significant role. And it's important that people recognize that. But what was it like growing up back then in uh, Ardoin? I mean, listen, it was, uh, it's just, you got on with it, you know, but it was, uh, it was very tough. And um, when you think back, when I, when I hear what people are, are complaining about today, uh, in today's world, um, yeah. versus what we had when we grew up. And I think that that is all just being passed under the carpet. Yeah. Kids, kids, we were kids, you know, and uh, see to walk out your front door and for like a British army guy to be sitting pointing his gun at your head, like yeah. target practice, like he wasn't shooting, but see the yeah. fact that you were in his sights when you were seven years old and it was normal. Um, mm. and, and standing beside British soldiers because you're always, you're always curious about their guns. Yeah. Uh, but they were using you as a cover. Um, they, they, they wanted the kids to come over and play with them so nobody would throw a bomb at them. Um, yes. It's just when you think about what, what, what was happening, it's just, I'm talking yeah. about when I was a kid, when I was a kid, like, uh, yeah. it was just a, like, to think that that happened in today's world, it's, it's, it's. I remember spending a couple of uh, nights in the GAA club in Ardoin, and that was an experience, and that was only 12 years ago. No. Actually, training, 2006, 2007, different times. Yeah, going, going to that club at any time is always an experience. <laughs> yeah, and then they had the, they used to have the Fela on yeah, once yeah. a year as well. Yeah, where, uh, yeah they, sort of still... know, they sort of have to know you in that club. Well, I got food poisoning from the burger bar. That's all I remember. But, that doesn't yeah. surprise me. <laughs> so look, I mean, you started off your career. Jack, you got a job from your uncle, was it? Yeah. Or initially in the hunting yeah, and ended up in the Stirstown. Uh, yeah, in the hunting lodge. So it's just yeah. the bottom of Stirstown Road. Yeah, is that still there? I believe so. Yeah, but they've they've added on a big extension for like a, I don't I don't even know what it is. I think it's a crash or something like that. But they've, they've right. the company that owned it have sold it and they're they're doing like the the bar is still there, but it's vastly different from from what it was when I when yeah. I worked there. Not this, I'm not saying it was any great shakes, but it, it's definitely very different to what it to what it was. I mean, when you started off, did you think bartending was be a career? Was that what you? I mean, when I started working in the hunt lodge, definitely not. I, I looked at it like I, I was always asking my mum and dad for money. Um, and I think they just got fed up with it and said, if you want it, you've got to go out and earn it yourself. So I, yeah. I got a, a job through, a, obviously, my cousin ran that pub. Um, and I worked there. I enjoyed it. That wasn't At that point, it wasn't an obsession. It, it only became an obsession when I started moving around with that cousin and started to see cocktails. Yeah. being made and then meeting a uh, former uh, colleague of Sean called uh, Kieran Breen that worked in a bar in, in yeah. uh, East Belfast. Was called, that Tattoo? Uh, South Belfast. Tat South Belfast? Yeah, so Tattoo. And, uh, yeah. That's when I started going to the Connoisseurs Club um, that Sean ran. Um, and those, the speakers were Saisha, Petrosky, Gary Reagan, Audrey Saunders, like all the heavy, heavy hitters. Yeah, and that's when I realized at that point that there there was definitely a career in this if you if you completely dedicated yourself to it. So, so that's yeah. how we ended up working together. And and Sean, you 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 started off in the bars, and then you ended up running a management bar company, or what yeah, exactly? I started off. I mean, listen, I couldn't when I was younger. It was different when Jack was like eighteen versus when I was eighteen. You couldn't yeah. get a job, and yeah. um, when I was eighteen, it was impossible to get a job. Is that everything you would imagine? Like those times to be. You're talking about like a early 1990s, late 1989, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, and it was just, there was no jobs. We couldn't even, me and my mate couldn't get a job packing she uh, shelves in a supermarket. Like, you just couldn't get jobs. And he was yeah. at, he was at, the, at the, uh, the job market every single day in life trying to get any kind of a job. It just, it just was no jobs. But yeah. um, I knew that um, it, for me to 
like and the, and the troubles were happening as well it was it was making me very like I, I felt like i needed to get out i needed like escape from the place i needed just to get out to, to, yeah. to transplant myself somewhere else and i i believe that bartending was something i could learn dedicate yeah. a year to learning and then go to work overseas and, and just get out of the the, the pressure cooker that northern Ireland, where belfast was at those times yeah um so so i went to work on a, a job training program which is like anyway i don't know if i have them anymore Ten training scheme or something or one of those. Ten pound a week on top of your dole, and the good thing about it was you didn't have to sign on because signing yeah. on was embarrassing. Uh, you went down there and like say fifty people knew you, and it was just embarrassing yeah. all calling you. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, it was like it was just embarrassing. So the thing about the JTP that was good is you didn't have to go in and sign on, um, and yeah. you got the extra ten ten quid a week. Um, so yeah. you were getting forty quid a week to learn to bartend, and uh, I did that for a year, and then I got a job in Scotland. And uh, and again, it was like Jack. I didn't take it seriously for about seven or eight years, and then and then I said one day I need to take it seriously if I'm if I'm gonna. Was it a wake up moment? Was it just a sudden decision? <laughs> so I better start getting my act together, or what? Yeah, well, it was like it was the time, and I'll just I'll just I'll just speak out. I don't I don't like talking about this because it always gets me emotional. But uh, it was a sort of time when uh, Billy Wright, the, the non Nancy as far as hadn't. Oh yeah. They were they were in place, but there were still a few things that were happening. And it was yeah. around 1997 or something, and Billy Wright was this loyalist leader that was killed inside jail. And you yeah. knew when you, you're watching the news all the time, you're always glued to the news. And I was working in a local bar, and it was called the Ceasefire because it opened at the Ceasefire. And they always had these wee funny nicknames for all these bars. But um, Billy Wright was killed, and you're glued to the TV. Everybody's glued to the TV because you know what's going to happen next is that yeah. they're going to come out and kill 20 people in retaliation for this guy. So you're looking at every night, it's a bar, it's a nightclub, and, and you just knew. I knew that it was going to be that bar um, that I was working at. Um, so they came in one night and they killed this guy that had never been there before. And the only reason why they didn't kill a lot more people was because uh, the guns jammed. But they shot a lot of people that didn't die. And when you came in the next morning and stuff, and you seen the mess, and I didn't understand that when something like that happens, you clean it up. I thought forensics people cleaned that shit up, you know? You clean yeah. it up the bar. And so you, you're getting in the next day and you're seeing a shocking yeah. mess. And I, and I was just, that is what made me decide I need to get out of this. And, and then I decided, I'm going to take this seriously. But the first thing about being serious back in those days was you needed to break free from the local neighborhoods and go into the city center. Um, yeah, it's so funny. That, that, see, see, going into the city center back then, that was a ballsy move. Um, yeah, yeah. Because that, that's when you were going out of your, your bubble. You were yeah. out of the safety net of your own bubble into the city center, and anything can happen in the city center. So that's what I had to do, was yeah. go into the city center. See, I've lived in Belfast twice, actually. I lived in Belfast 25 years ago, and I lived in Belfast eight and nine years ago and the difference between the two <laughs> but i mean you talk to people from belfast now and there's not that necessary desire i mean the, 20 years ago everybody wanted to leave belfast yeah now people are, are people see belfast as a place of opportunity now and yeah okay i know we're going through these troubled times but um people i mean if you look at the bar scene in belfast and that's no disrespect to the bar scene in the rest of the country the variety, the live music, the knowledge is stronger in Belfast, I think, than anywhere else. I mean, you look at the bars there, the collections they have, look at Willie Jack's bar, Biddle's bar, you know, it's, and I, I don't know, I can only say good things in the long run for, for Belfast, hopefully. But, yeah, uh, yeah what was I gonna, I was gonna ask you about, um, what was the decision then to go to America? How did, sorry, before that, you, you ended up working together in The Merchant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, forgive me for saying this, like, but uh, going from where you were to uh, working in the top uh, five-star hotel in in uh, 
in Belfast, in, in Ireland almost. It's the only double A five star rated hotel. So that's on the outside. Uh, let me show what it's look on the inside. Let me see. And that's the inside. Yeah. How did you end up working here? Um, so I, w when I went to the city center, I was telling you about a minute ago, I went to work for the best operator in Belfast and Northern Ireland in those days, to be honest with you, Jazz Money. Um, and he owned a couple of really good cocktail bars. And I learned a lot. I worked there for four years and I learned a lot. Um, and then in, 19, in 2002, I decided um, I was going to start my own sort of little consultancy company, get into bars and teaching people how to make cocktails. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I did that for like two years and I was working for various drinks companies and things like that and, and building a bit of a name for myself. So when yeah. by the time that the merchant came to open, uh, I was really the only person and like I'd been doing this for a bunch of years and I was I was really the only person on anybody's radar that could do this type of stuff. So Bill Woolsey sort of came looking for me yeah. um, because of the reputation it built during that, during that wee business thing. Um, and like, basically I knew I, I was on the lookout for, I, I was at a point in 2005, I was at a point when I couldn't go any further in the industry and, uh, mm -hmm. I hit the brick wall that the girl I was telling you about earlier said yep. you hit, I'd hit that brick wall and there was nothing else for me in the country. I was going to have to leave, um, yeah. to go to London or something like that. And when Bill Woolsey opened that, that bar at that time, it was just like a godsend. It was like, it was what I wanted to, what I really wanted on my own doorstep. And I wasn't, yeah. gonna, I wasn't gonna have to go overseas for it. Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was a big opportunity. And Bill Woolsey himself, when he, when he, when he met me, um, he basically said that I was, I was ahead of my time doing the stuff that I was doing, and that if, if cocktails are ever going to work in, in Northern Ireland, um, they're going to work in this bar. And he basically, what he said then was true, um, and I believed that fully. And then the, the merchant was, it was like when we were there, it was a cut, it was, it was a really cool place, and. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's still a beautiful looking place, but it doesn't have the heart that it had. I'm talking about the bar now. It yeah, doesn't yeah. have the heart that it had when we were there, um, but it's still a beautiful place to go. Yeah. Uh, but we, we did something, I, I think for the time, um, 2006 to 2010, we did something very special. And then yeah. the opportunity- Did you bring Jack in there, did you? Or was Jack there yeah, well, already? As Jack said, Kieran Breen, uh, who Jack worked with, was a guy that used to work in the merchant with me. And yeah. he went up, he was working with Jack. He impressed Jack and, mm -hmm. uh, and Jack wanted to learn more, and Kieran Breen basically said to him, "He should go back down to me because Kieran Breen wasn't staying in the industry." Um, yeah. And he basically said to Jack, "If you want to stay in the industry, you need to be working with Sean because he, he was th the way Kieran Breen was saying it. That Jack was Sean's thinking the way you you're starting to think. Um, so you, you should be together rather than." Yeah. But I'll tell you, uh, and I, I want to go on the record of saying this: um, Kieran Breen um, left the hotel. And bad terms. He had a problem with the hotel management, which is fine. A lot of people have problems with hotel management. Um, but he went to work in this bar where he met Jack, and uh, he was impressing Jack. And basically, what happened was the bar that he went, he met Jack in. It was open and closed in a few months. And right. that that place, ta the tattoo place, it's always had that type of problem. It's always opened and closed and be something else. Yeah. Um, but Jack, uh, Kieran Brain said, "Can I talk to you?" And he, he came up to my house in North Belfast in in Ardoin. Uh, yeah. And uh, he basically said the, uh, to me, you might, heard, you might have heard me talking about this really loud Jack McGarry. And Jack was only 18 at the time. And he said, you might have heard me. So that's 13 years ago. And he said, you, you, might, you might have heard me talking about Jack McGarry. He said, this guy's he's one of the, like, and Kieran Breen was a very, very accomplished bartender. So yeah. Kieran Breen was telling me that Jack was, like, one of the most Im Im impressive bartenders he'd ever seen. And he basically yeah. said to me, I, he wanted him to come to work in the merchant with me because his place was closing. And he, yeah. and he basically said to me, and this is this is true. Uh, he said to me, 
if I'm only able to take this guy on in the merchant, this country is going to lose the best bartender it ever produced. So that's what well, he said to me. That's that's what he yeah, and and think about it. Like, I mean, imagine imagine an Irish bartending industry without a Jack McGarry. You know, so the, the guy was the guy you would be talking about. You know. Yeah, I mean, how did you? Uh, I mean, obviously, you're no you're no clown in the bartending side yourself, obviously. But oh, well, I mean, I'm not. I'm not like I'm more of a thinker, more of a an ideas guy, more of a yeah. conceptual type. Jack Jack was, and he's not now, but when he was bartending, he was. He's yeah. A, I mean, what made you good, Jack? Uh-huh. <laughs> what made you good? Well, I mean, I, I want I, I, the big thing. I think that uh, I I become extremely obsessive when I zoom in on something, you know. But I have mm-hmm. to get to that point where I decide I'm going to go all in. So I'm extremely disinterested until I'm interested. Uh, so it's all all or nothing. Yeah, and that's that, yeah. that's like I like I have a mental health condition, which which obviously exacerbates that. But but when, yeah. back then, bartending was that thing. Um, now it's Irish whiskey and Irish pubs and and other things. But when I I I was all about learning as much as possible and working with Sean. Sean, the, the thing that I wouldn't have become that bartender had I went and worked with somebody who didn't give me the space to kind of to, to, to figure that out and make mistakes and 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 feel better, you know. And and Sean was a person that pointed me in the direction of the right literature, pointed me in the direction of of who you should be targeting in terms of the best bartenders in in the world. Yeah. Um, so and it's not only that, but in the merchant, for example, I would have created events and yeah. uh, and brought the right people to the bar yeah. uh, and Jack was like the star of the show. So I was basically, Jack was working for me because Jack was backing me up when I yeah. brought people there. And, right. Okay. And I was working for Jack because I was bringing people to shoot so he could show off his talent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it was working both ways. Um, and that's, I suppose me being able to do that was what inspired Jack. And I suppose Jack being able to do it was what inspired me. You know? So it's a perfect compliment to two yeah. of you. I mean, I mean, you do have a, uh, Sean, uh, I think a great ability to to let people run with their talents. Yeah, and right now, we're, do, we're doing the same with Jillian over here. Um, we've yeah. taken like a, we've taken and Jillian, if she was talking to you, she would tell you exactly the same thing. We don't stand in her way; we support her fully. Yeah, and we and we've taken a backseat to let her move forward. You know, we want. We well, want I have to her, say, we, we I met Jillian. Be, sorry, go ahead. Go on. No, we just we we want her to be the face of the bar now. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like I met Jillian uh, at the pop up bar you'd done here in the Westbury. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you did one night, and I remember watching, and uh, a new bar, a new setup for her. I've never seen somebody take to it and command the attention, and, and I've never seen this in any bar. The attention she commanded, the precision with which she did everything, she was doing a lot of things without even looking where her hands were going. And I just thought, well, yeah, I mean, this is phenomenal. Taking it, it kind of reminded me of those really famous sushi chefs, you know, that can slice <laughs> and dice and do. Amazing things. But but one, a, we, a, a little story about Gillian, and we talk about this in our new book, um, yeah. the Irish the Irish Whiskey Cocktail book, but um, when we first opened, like Jack was very, very much behind the bar, and uh, and the, we, we had problem staff at that time. Was, there was things happening, and, and staff were leaving, and it was everything seemed to be happening at once. Yeah. Um, and there was one time upstairs, for example, Jack was bartending by himself for the entire room, um, right. and that's, like, that's, that's a hard feat to, to bartend for 40 people. At yeah. that level, uh, by yourself, it was a very hard. But Jack did it, and he knew something had to be done. Uh, he knew like uh, we have to make moves here. We have to get the right people in. And uh, I said to him like, because we we were still at that point very unfamiliar with American bartenders. Yeah. Uh, and I said to Jack, um, uh, and, and this this can go on record. Like, I said to Jack, if you anybody a man, he says Jillian votes. And I go, uh, 
are you sure? And he goes, I, and there was two, two, two reasons. It was three reasons. One was her ability. She was obviously yeah. good at what she did. Um, the other reasons was uh, none of us had any idea that Gillian um, has Irish blood, uh, as in her mum, Peggy, is from Dublin, yeah. and, and all her entire family live in Dublin right now. Um, and Gillian would come in. She came in here on Christmas Eve one night, and uh, her, her and her mum, and we're talking away to Jack, and, the, and Jack goes to me, I'll never forget him saying this to me, do you know Gillian votes his ma is Irish? And I go, uh, no. And he goes, she's proper Irish, like your ma Irish. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> she's not like Irish 20, 20 times removed. She's like yeah. your ma Irish. And that, so, so there was that, the fact that Gillian was Irish in some way. And then yeah. we, she was the only person in the entire city when we came here yeah. that had an Irish whiskey section on her menu. Um, wow. she, had a, she had four Irish whiskey cocktails and nobody else. You would not have seen an Irish whiskey cocktail in any bar. Yeah. And the, yeah. the thing it was, the fact that Gillian had Irish, Irish blood and the fact that Gillian was promoting Irish whiskey cocktails and the fact she was good is what, what got her the job here. Yeah. yeah. Is she partly Australian and partly... Is it Australia, uh, Irish? Well, it's American and Irish. She's... It's American and Irish, yeah. No, I have to say I was really blown away. You know when you see somebody that is excellent at their job? Yeah. You know, it could be anything. I don't know. It could be bricklaying. But yeah. there, it's, there is something inspirational about... Yeah, we, we actually had this situation this week. We had a photographer in here, um, a girl photographer that was just mind-blowing to watch. Um, yeah. Like you see photographers and you see photographers. This girl just watching her work was it was, yeah. uh, was yeah. brilliant. We've been talking about it nonstop all week, you know. Yeah, it is inspiring. Like it's, people can take something done excellently. Like I'll never say anything's done perfectly because then you give up, right? But yeah. I mean, taking <laughs> taking something and doing it excellently is. Uh, one quick question is that uh, is there going to be a revised version of the book? <laughs> the uh, Barney to Blarney. Are you going to do another two months? Uh, is that because I think new, is that because of new distilleries and new bars distilleries? Closing, yeah, bars closing, pubs closing. Uh, we don't know. I mean, yeah. yeah, we would do one eventually, but not with. I think that the next focus for the couple of years is wrapping up the Irish whiskey book and the Irish coffee book. But I mean, that like I would say after that, we yeah, could probably revisit because yeah. the the way that Irish distilleries are proliferating and then obviously the pandemic. The yeah. landscape's going to change dramatically, so we want to. We, we will definitely update it at some point for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you guys not only is amazing at what you do, but you're you're fantastic business people as well. Um, and I don't mean it necessarily in the money making sense of the word. I mean in in the generating success from other people and in the branding and all the rest. How far ahead do you think in terms of your business plans? Do you have plans rolled out for the next five years, ten years? And then have COVID scupper them. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. To be honest, we, we still have plans, obviously, yeah. but we're just having to just sit back a bit and, and wait and see what happens. We're like we're still planning very much in New Orleans next year. Um, yeah. It was meant to be this year, um, and all the things were meant to happen this year. We're, we've just literally yeah. everything's put us back a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's where we are with that. Look, you've had your setbacks as well. You know, you had the fire back in two thousand eighteen. Yep, and that was a. It, on the one sense, I think you've a staff member to be thankful for that the whole place didn't go up. Yep. And uh, obviously the Blacktail then closed earlier this year. I mean, how do you take these setbacks? How do you take the positive from them? Because I know you guys do. Well, I mean, you yeah. have to you have to learn from them. You know, we've uh, we we've things happen. You have to figure out why they happen and then make sure you don't repeat those. Yeah. Those mistakes. You know. So with the fire, there was there was some things that we needed to take care of. It was uh quickly remedied when we extended it into 32 Water Street and then with Blacktail there was a lot of fundamental business decisions that we that we pulled and extracted yeah. from that but 
you know, myself and Sean, we know that I think that the, the, the crucial piece for, for, for us succeeding is that when we win awards or when we get recognition or when the business does well, we never get too carried away with that. Yeah. And then contrasting that with when things don't go your way, we never get too low with it either, you know, so we always stay in the, yeah. in the middle and we always just dust ourselves on and, and attack the next day because there's no point in sitting feeling sorry for yourself, you know. One of, one of our key, one of our inspirational things now is we came across this article years ago and it's, I'm sure you can find it if you go online. I think it was the Wall Street Journal or New York Times. It was one of the two of them. Um, is the Irish pub in America dead? Uh, that's right. what the whole headline. Yeah. And it basically was, do we need the Irish pub anymore? Um, and I was actually meant to partake in a, a seminar in uh, Tales of the Cocktail this year about right. that exact subject. Is the Irish pub dead? And they, they were wanting us to defend it, not me and Tim, the guy you met. Um, but the thing is, um, it's one of the things, the driving forces is we want to, basically create an, an Irish bar like experience like this in five or six different cities of, of this country. Um, yeah. And basically let everybody know that, no, the Irish pub is very much alive and kicking. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, that's our motivation. The Irish audience that we have is so important to us. Um, it's like, okay, we have a lot of New York, a, a big New York fan base and a big other market fan, but our, the Irish audience, our social media is done by Connor Kelly. Um, it's all Irish focused. Um, it's, it's aimed at our Irish audience all the time because we just yeah. take the Irish thing so seriously. Yeah. You know? But what about the? So obviously, there, there's bound to be competition comes up when when people have success, and I presumably you're getting a lot of plastic copies of your of your setup all around the place but, now. But but, but the guests guests can sense uh, guests can walk into a place and feel. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Genuine or not, you know, it's like a, it's yeah. the warmth. It's not just the way a place looks. It's it's a. Uh, no. It's the it's a, the hospitality, and in a lot of places you can't fake it. You've either yeah. got it or you don't got it. You know that's just the way yes. it is. It's like the training. The person in here um, is not only people that got to communicate to the to the guests properly and make that guest feel at home, like they're yeah. still in Ireland. Like make yeah. them feel that way and make them feel very welcome. They've also got to be able to serve them a drink that's going to blow their mind yeah. and give them food that's going to blow their mind. It's it's yeah. the whole it's the whole package. And people can fake all they want. They're not going to succeed. Because no. me, it, this is in our blood. It's it's something yeah. that, as Jack said, we wake up in the morning and we're not happy. We're never ever happy uh, with what we've got. We always want better, and it's like our staff appreciate it and they want to be better. But you can't fake that. It's like you might get away with it for a few weeks or a few months, but you're no. not going to get away with it. You know? and no, I mean, just... There is always going to be people that copy different pieces of what we do, and we've seen that. But as Sean said, it's the it's the full focus on every single the totality of the experience. The the, the website interface, the, the menus, the food, making our own bread for the, the going through the whole problems with the fry. We we had a major know. we had a major problem. We're doing Perrier water in here and we had a major problem. We could not get Irish water, like sparkling water. Really? And it was driving us insane. And we went the lengths to get yeah. is it Tipperary or Ballygan or yeah. something, but we went the lengths to get it and we just literally got it when we closed yeah. the bar. It, it oh. took it took a long time because it's not available okay. for here. But I'm telling you like we take that sort of thing very we want to give people they come to this bar and a bottle of sparkling irish water not yeah. french water and there's nothing nothing wrong with french but you're in an irish pub here it should be nice yeah, yeah. that's sparkling no water. it's the level of detail as well but like you say you can't uh, you, you know these some of these new bars that open up and they they go out of the way to look old sometimes it works well it doesn't really work in the long run in my opinion it's a difficult thing to get right but it, it's not just the the venue but one of the things i, I was reading uh, just before we came on, uh, one of the important things that you look for is that you, you pay real attention to the to the building as well yeah. and the premises. What, what is it you look for in a premises? I, I mean, mean, obviously, 
I you think could do it up. Covers every, like transcends every aspect as character and personality. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you couldn't take that rabbit and stick it in a in a brand new build out that just doesn't have. So you're looking for the builder building to have that character. So Thirty Water Street is obviously eighteen twenty eight. This building thirty two is 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 along the same time in the Francis Tavern historical block. The building that we have in New Orleans is 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 from the nineteenth century. Very, very, it's a beautiful facade. Um, it has plenty of character, and we're obviously going to go in and, and, and be true to that. Um, and even if when we expand in the other markets that we've identified, the buildings all have to have character. Um, yeah. And we, we're, we're, our, our whole business plan is to, is to scale, um, own the building, be in places that are competitive for, for, the, for, the, for the product to be in. Um, yeah. But we're, we're looking to tell a story. We're looking for it to be compelling. We don't want it to be, as John said, like fake or, or Padawan. So it'll never be a franchise. It'll never be a franchise as such where you're just giving the name. It won't be a franchise in the sense of like, well, we're we, involved yeah, we're, yeah, exactly. So it, for us, we will, we, the, the, the one piece where it would be franchise is where we're talking about, we will have operators in each individual venue. That yeah. will have a stake in the business, but that that's the only thing that would. But it's not a franchise model. Um, we would have to be t- in total control of everything because every single like we can't go into a bar that's called Dev Rabbit and the Irish coffee is cold or the Guinness isn't served yeah. right or they don't know about Irish whiskey. We, yeah. all those things are extremely important to us. So it's it's not a model that we that we will we will be a part of. Um, it's not to say in ten years if some conglomerate yeah. comes in and buys Dev Rabbit. Um, yeah then that becomes a different thing, you know, but we're fully focused on telling our amazing story in as many places it makes sense. I mean, there's, uh, and I remember speaking to Sean about this the last time we were over and having a chat show. There's not one item in the bar that hasn't, that is up there for display that isn't planned or thought about. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, it's just, it's just phenomenal. Like, uh, Look, obviously you ended up where you are now after leaving Merchant. Uh, how did that come about and how did you end up in New York? So with we came, as Sean has said, the merchant, when we worked at the merchant, uh, Sean had obviously been there from day one. I came on a year or two afterwards. The bar towards the end of our tenure with the with the, the Connoisseurs Club and bringing all the American, uh, the American kind of judges over, the bar started to do really well. We won, uh, one year we were nominated for three, lost all three, and we, we realized then that we had to make sure that we took more American people over so that they could begin to to, to spread the word about what we were doing in Belfast. Um, the following year with that new program, we, we won all three. And then the year after that, we, we won World's Best Bar, which was the first bar outside of America to win that. Was first bar outside of New York. New York to win that award. So that was... It was during that time that Connor Allen, um, who, who is our, our angel investor, um, yeah. he started spending a lot of time in the bar, um, got to know myself and Sean, and he traveled extensively uh, all over the world, and, and we would have told him what bars to go to, put him in contact with the owners, and, and he was very much of the opinion that what we were doing was was, was world class. It was, it, it was better. Yeah, like we were better than everybody, and he wanted to give us a, a platform to take that to a major city, the likes of of a London or 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 in, or in New York, but he lives in New York, obviously. So it, through a whole big long story, yeah. we ended up getting to. I think Sean got to New York uh, November December of that year in 2010. What would have been ten years uh, ago? Ten ten years ago this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then I would have came on a couple of months the year after that. Um, and the whole goal was, the whole goal was to build a bar that was not going to be here today, 
and going tomorrow like a lot of cocktail bars a lot i mean of you had that in your head from then so between 2010 and 2013 you had the vision of having the dead rabbit as with the vision of yeah. the dead rabbit with the with the vision of dead rabbit before we left before we left yeah really yeah, yeah. Wow. we had the name we had the man with the rabbit the we had that that's how we knew like it was going to be 18 mid, mid, mid 1800s um mm. listen people ask us all the time where did the inspiration come from um to be honest with you it's it's very when you think about it it's like we were both working on the merchant we both loved the cocktails of the merchant and yeah. we used to hang out we used to hang out in the duke of york which is just just down the street and yeah. uh, because when you finished working the merchant say you're finished at six o'clock say you, you were doing a day shift um yeah. you'd know where to hang out you weren't allowed to drink in the bar um it was unsightly uh for staff members to be drinking in the bar so we drank in the duke of york up the street and i remember clearly there was this girl called uh, a friend of jack's lizzie crossing um who said to me one night in uh, in duke of york Everybody loves the merchants' cocktails, but a lot of people are intimidated walking up those stairs. It'd be, it would be great. Oh you, yeah, it would be it would be great if you could create a bar like the Duke of York that does cocktails. And that's that's where it started. It was basically bringing our two favorite bars together in yeah. one bar and making it make sense. So we came up with this whole story about when Irish and cocktails met in New York when they were, when they were side by side. And first cocktail book ever published was written in 1862 by a guy in New York. But that same guy was working downtown like 20 years, 15 years before he wrote that book. So he was working yeah. in this area. Um, and it was the exact same time as the immigrants were leaving Ireland to come to New York, um, famine torn Ireland. And uh, so we knew there was the Irish connection and the cocktail connection, yeah. mid-1800s, lower Manhattan. And I looked up uh, Google, uh, mid-1800s, lower Manhattan, Irish New York names. And up yeah. came this thing called List of Identities, Gangs of New York. And it was from the book Herbert Asbury's book, the, the Gangs of New York, and I said, and I looked into it, and all the, all the names of the gangs, the Plug Uglies, the Carryonians, whatever the hell it was, and the Dead Rabbits was one of the names, and I thought that is an amazing name for a bar, the Dead. Rabbit. Think about it, the Dead Rabbit, you know. That's how it came about. Yeah, and then obviously you opened in 2013, and you're you're downtown New York. I mean, you're in the financial area, aren't you? Yeah, right Water Street. Yeah, right at the bottom. Every, everybody told us. Nothing survives below canal. So if you're below canal, you're going yeah. to close. And this block that we're on, the Francis Tavern historical block, it was very infamous for everywhere closing that opened on it. Yeah. Uh, there literally was tumbleweed going up past the front door when we before we opened this bar. Nothing was here. Nothing. Right. And uh, we we believed in the bar. Yeah. We believed in the building. We believed in yeah. the story. And we had, we were both familiar with this area. And uh, it's not like we were coming in here blind. We're yeah. familiar with the area and our partners are all based in this area. So we sort of knew, right, we've got a bit of an advantage because we know the area. Our partners yeah. are all based in the area. One of our partners owns the building um, and, it, and it's got the history. It's got the whole story. It's got yeah. the location. Um, yeah. Another thing when you're opening a bar in New York, you've got to think like, is it close to your subway? This this building, right. even though it may be downtown, it's got like 10 subway stops right beside it. Yeah. Um, so things like that, things like bus stops being outside the door and taxi stops across the street. That's all like, uh, it was all like, there's two lanes of traffic going each way. Um, yeah. Whereas you go to East Village, like there's, it's one lane of traffic, it's it's one way yeah. street. Um, yeah. It's hard to get to. There's a lot of walking involved. Yeah. Whereas here, it's like, uh, you can easily get here. Like, was it derelict before you took it over almost? Or I mean, it was, I was, I would, I, it was desolate. You know, we me and Sean would have sat in front of the building many times during the week when Sean finished work. He worked around the corner and, uh, we would have, you could have counted on one hand the amount of people that walked past the building, but we truly really believed 
we fully believed in the story and the product that we were about to do. And we fully believed that when we opened, when we got the people to the bar, we would get them to come back because of how compelling the, the, the product was we were we were delivering. So it definitely was like people were, I, we both remember distinctly the people that said we were crazy, but we believed, we had full confidence that, uh, that, it, would, that it, would, uh, it would be successful. So, like between two thousand ten and two thousand, you had working in other bars, obviously making a living, scraping by. New York's not a cheap place to be, I suppose. Sharing, sharing an apartment, and uh, that was something else. That, that experience. Uh, I've stayed in. I stayed in New York two nights. One night, I stayed in the Pierre Hotel because my friend had a Merrill Lynch conference. And okay. the next, the next night, I I ran out of money because a cappuccino was thirty five dollars in the Pierre. <laughs> And uh, so the next night, the, the YMCA was full. The YMCA was full. I stayed one night in Central Park and I in the park and one night in the Pierre. So uh, <laughs> typical, uh, yeah, younger days, younger days. But look, were you, were you successful when you kicked off? Yeah, I'm going to tell you, like, so there's a couple of reasons why um, our PR company at the time was amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And listen, it's not to say they're not amazing now. It's just that they had a very unique story. Yeah. Um, to be telling and uh, in a, we were like the bar that was supposed to open Hurricane Sandy put us back four months we opened on John Morrissey's birthday <coughs> John Morrissey was the leader of the Dead Rabbits yeah. and so there was two reasons why it was because the PR had been massive before we even got the doors open um, and the second thing was I think a lot of people thought that the, what they were doing was new um, they'd never seen something like this before an Irish pub doing cocktails and I would say that the third thing um and definitely not the the thing to be underestimated anyway was with Jack McGarry bartending behind a bar. Um, nobody yeah. nobody in this city had ever seen anything like him bartending. And I I don't know whether he likes me talking about his bartending days or not, but he was a phenomenal bartender. Um, like Connor Allen would would describe it. Um, I could give you all kinds of different analogies, but Connor Allen, the guy that brought us over, said, I don't know if you ever seen George Best playing football, but that's what it was like watching Jack bartend. He just yeah. had this, he, he was just, the way he worked was was, was very hypnotic. Um, yeah. I can remember clearly that there was a there was a guy and he was the editor of the Sunday World in, in, in Belfast, and uh, he was meeting his wife and his son and his son's girlfriend to go for dinner in the Merchant Hotel. And him and his wife, they were waiting on the son and the daughter coming in, but they were just sitting riveted to Jack bartending. And um, Jack, it was a Sunday afternoon. I was meeting my own mother and father, and um, the guy called me across, Jim McDowell, I know him, and he, he goes to me. My God, that kid bartender. He said, "I've never seen anything." Like he said, "I've, I've seen something like that once in my life." He said, "When I was a kid, I seen a man, a, a, a guy with shoes, cobbling shoes, and the way he was doing it with his, with the way, he, and he done all the hand movements." And he yeah. said, it, "It totally fascinated me the way he moved." He said, "That kid bartender is the only thing I've ever seen that's like that." He said, "He's just fucking fantastic, you know." But yeah. that's the way Jack was. He, you were riveted when you watched him bartender, and that's just the way. But Jack, when we opened this bar, Jack was a big story. Um, yeah, people, yeah. he was well. Our, our PR company, for example, in Jack, um, there was a big story there because this guy was a shit hot bartender from Ireland that nobody had ever seen before, and, yeah. uh, and he was doing the damage. Like he really, he really did do what needed to be done back in those days. And of course, I mean, 2015, 2016 were huge years. I mean, you won Bartender of the Year, International Bartender of the. Year. I think the youngest person ever to win that award. Yeah. And then the following year, bar of the year in the top 50 bars. He, he won that award four months after we opened the doors. Yeah. He won it like in 2013. Right. 2013 right. he won that award. Yep. 
phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but listen, the way it is, I'm, I'm not going to. We, we don't really care about awards. Um, as, uh, like we cared about them back in those days. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we've come to realize the way it works is is you have your moment, and then people get fed up with you, and they don't vote <laughs> you anymore. Um, it's yeah. time to do. Like as I said to you at the start of the show, we were the, we before we closed, we were the best we've ever been, and that's both of us telling you. That's yeah. Jillian. Yeah. Jillian. Not, yeah, yeah. not one not one year when we won those awards will be better anywhere close to what yeah. we were like when we closed this bar um, yeah. but we'll, ne- we'll never win an award because our time's just passed we're past tense um but listen the thing the most important thing for us is um our irish audience uh love us to death and we love them to death and we just want to do what we can for ireland and for our irish audience that that's our yeah. our competition moving forward is keeping our irish audience happy yeah, well, I mean, that comes across, and it's very evident that that's the case. Um, but look, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't always easy. Uh, I know, Jack, you've had difficulties in the past, and I don't know if you don't want to talk about them, that's fine. But I know for me, it's inspirational, and I know for a lot of the younger people and people with difficulties, it's very inspirational. You, you had your demons, and I know 25th of March 2016 is a particularly important date for you when. You hit rock bottom, and 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 it was a wake up call. Yeah, a hundred. I mean, so that there was essentially a whole period, a year of my life where things were just all over the place. You know, um, my I was kind of riddled with uh, it was kind of the chicken and the egg thing. I I, I believe at that point it was depression and anxiety. Um, but mm-hmm. then on the night that you were talking about, on the twenty fifth of of March, I went out and got absolutely hammered. Um, and then the next day I woke up with my stomach pumped and um, with with doctors and, and, and all that type of stuff. So basically, I, I remember that like waking up that day, that was very much my my first thought was that this is this is rock bottom. Um, so it became it became the end where I, I was like, right, I have an alcohol like I, I, I'm an alcoholic, I have an addiction problem. And it became about attacking that problem and and uh, and, and figuring that out. So that was nearly five years ago. Yeah. Um, and well, congratulations on uh, on being dry for so long. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's still big... like listen. I still keep my eye on it, but I mean, I'm the strongest now that I've ever I've ever been. Um, yeah. And I'm so grateful now. Like if I if I had been drinking during coronavirus, like back in the, yeah. I don't even know if I'd have been alive. You know, to be honest yeah. with the amount of shit that's happening over here. So it's, it's not that. See, seeing this day and age that we're in now, um, and you know what I'm talking about, the PC world. Yep. For for pub owners like me and Jack to be drinking, it, it's in the bar. It's it's we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Um, I stopped drinking. I was obviously inspired by Jack, uh, but not. For, I didn't have the same reasons. Jack yes. normally had a drink problem. Um, when it's like when he drank after three pints, we called it the magic three or whatever. And once he had three <laughs> pints again, he just drank for Ireland. Broke the tail, and that's it. Yeah. And he would have he would have woke up asleep somewhere. You know, he, he, I was never that type of a drinker, but I was mm-hmm. a drinker that went home and had a bottle of wine every night um, after work. Um, All right. Yeah. And it put weight on me. It was just making me unhealthy and put weight on me. And yeah. so I stopped it more for I didn't want to be I didn't want to be heavy. I didn't want yeah. to have a high cholesterol and all that sort of shit. So I stopped it over saying like three years ago last May. Um, but I'll I'll still taste. Um, I'm not yeah. I'm not as uh, as strict and as regimented as Jack is about it. I'll still if Jillian makes a great drink, I'll still taste it. I'm not going to spit it yeah. out. I'm not I'm not that bad. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying I don't have that sort of that sort of a problem. Um, yeah. But it's like uh, I think in this day and age. Especially in a city like New York, you bar owners can't. Gone. Yeah. You can't be drinking in the bar. Yeah, yeah. we've got two PC maybe, but that, your staff can't, your staff can't see you like that. Your your guests can't see you like that, and, yeah. uh, and you just shouldn't be like that, you know. Because like 
you might think you're cool when you're drunk, but you're not. Like, I mean, if you're in this bar, yeah. you, you know, yeah. you, it's, it's just not on. It's not on. It's just not great leadership, to, you know, yeah. getting, getting to see your, your, your uh, colleagues saying you're drunk. And, you a guy, and a guy was asking us last week, to be honest, uh, a guy on one of these things, a guy from Canada was asking us, um, what's, what's the secret of our success as in being able to stick together so yeah. long? And, yeah. uh, and I told him, and, and I'm not joking you, the fact that we don't drink has definitely mm. helped it because yeah. I would actually say that the time that we were worst was when we were both drinking yeah. Um, yeah. In, a, in a close, a close proximity. Yeah. Drinking, uh, so I would say that's when we were our worst, and I'm not, and I'm not saying everybody stop drinking. I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you no, need, but we, we need you to drink, drink more. But uh, I'm just saying for our relationship, it's definitely yeah. been helpful. Yeah. Tell me, what was it like? And I, I know Jack, it was must have been a, a difficult situation for you. And I, and I, I know that, you know, alcoholics they feel a, a lot that they've let down people and all the rest, and and that's a big thing to carry. Yeah. What was it like for for Sean? What was it like for you watching? you know your buddy go through first, what he did the first thing you said to me is uh let down people the very next day that he did this me and him were supposed to go to cuba uh, <laughs> all right so we were actually i had i had to go on to cuba um to uh we were we were doing research for blacktail it was just before yeah. blacktail opened yeah. it was before yeah. blacktail opened and we were doing research but friends of ours from belfast were meeting us in cuba and they were in the right. plane so i had whether whether like if it had to be me and him going and they yeah. weren't already in Cuba. Uh, yeah. I would have, I would have stayed with Jack, and I had to go. And uh, it was the more, I, like, yeah. I had to go that day, knowing because yeah. I was meeting the people from Belfast. I had to meet those people because they were going to yeah. be in Cuba by themselves. Yeah. And it was Richard Rand and these guys from Drinksology from Belfast. Oh yeah, I know them. Yeah. Uh, and it was our social media guy, our Connor Kelly person at the time. They were yeah. flying over to go to Cuba to meet me and Jack there. Um. So I had, I had to leave him. But at the time, listen, it'd been sort of. He'd been in a weird place for a while, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, um, mm -hmm. the, the, the fact that he went so extreme with it, um, what, what happened on that date? All you're talking about, it's like, uh, I never seen that coming. Um, right. but I knew that he was like, I would have tended to think back then because depression was a new word, P people weren't mm -hmm. talking about depression. Um, uh, yeah. I would I would have tended to think, um, he'll, he'll snap out of it. I actually thought he had relationship problems, I thought yeah. that that's what the whole thing was about. Um, but I never thought it was as serious as it was. Um, I just didn't. I, I I just thought he needed some time on his own, you yeah. know. But you got to understand as well. Uh, so before this happened, Jack had sort of been out of work quite a while. He'd been out of work a bunch of months. Right. Um, so so we were all sitting back, sort of letting Jack have his moment uh, because we didn't want to put pressure on him. And uh, yeah. and we felt he knows where we are if we need him. Um, just let him have his time. He was still he was with a, he was with his uh, wife at that time, and yeah. uh, it's like uh, it's not like he was on his own or anything. Um, we didn't know. I believed I would have thought that the problem was a, a relationship, a relationship problem. But yeah. listen, listen, that's one of those things. It's, it's depression was a new word that nobody yeah. really understood. I certainly didn't understand it because I've never, I've never felt it, and, and I didn't understand it. You know? Well, look here, were here's a picture of um, when you won your award, uh, Better Days. I think that's Jillian in the middle as well. <laughs> so yeah, so Jack, Jack at that point was definitely he was going through that period at that time. Yeah, I can tell by looking him. Uh, I can tell by the color of the suit. Yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> was wearing flip flops with that suit, flip flops. He was wearing that night, um, and I remember everybody was talking about his flip flops. Um, but Jack, Jack was definitely at that point in about. He was, he was like maybe drinking more than he should have. Yeah. But listen, I didn't. I didn't think he. I didn't think it had any kind of a big problem. The thing, the one, the one thing I will say about it is the recovery that he's had, mm. as in the the commitment to recovery, as in yeah. going to all the things he needed to go to and. And, and and doing what you need to do and meeting the people and speaking to the people 
that has been like second to none. Um, I don't even know if that help would be available in Ireland the way he was, yeah. the way, the recovery he got over here. But the guy that you see now is like a hundred times the person that he was, and he rightfully Look. should be the model for any anybody that's got those sort of problems because Look. what what he was to what he is now is two different people. No, I do see that, and I think um, for me, you know, you've had your achievements in um, you've had your achievements in the bar, and you've had all your success. And if I was to pick out, I was trying to pick out one moment that I thought you guys really nailed it, and it surpassed for me. It surpassed everything in, in terms of awards, all the recognition that you got was this moment here, uh, and uh, and it. It struck me because, you know, Belfast has its issues with uh, depression and suicide. And unfortunately, I know many people that are no longer with us because of this. And I, for me, this was, uh, of all the achievements that you have done, for me, this was the biggest one. Um, and it just yeah. struck a, a chord with me. And I'm sure that was, many that, was a very, that was a very important night for us. Um, yeah. Important. The people who were there that night... Um, the fact that it happened when we were launching the book in that distillery and the support we got from the distillery, being honest, it was yeah. just—it was a special moment, and we we seen that moment like months and months before it happened yeah. because we we really worked hard to make that happen exactly as it happened. Um, yeah. It was very very important for us that everything went exactly as you seen it, you know. Well, I mean, I think that was a point, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass because there's no point there, but it, there comes a point where you know what you admiring somebody's turns to respect and uh for me that was the moment that i became very respectful of what you've done and that's that's just on the on the aware side i know there's other stuff that the, the fact that you're making it uh publicly aware of the struggles that you have gone through uh, and you know nobody goes through these problems alone in the sense that other people are affected so i mean yeah, totally. sean sean stuck by it and I, I know your family i can see it especially yeah. your dad i see it and now that you know you both got families, you you know, and uh, obviously there's a commitment there to stay dry and all the rest. So you know, every day is a day. So I wish you best of luck with that. Thank you very but, much. But uh, um, look, just going further, then there's there's questions about um, opening up, opening up bars, uh, opening up uh, new versions of um, the whiskey. Uh, talk about the new books. Um, there's rumors as well about a distillery in Belfast. I don't know. Uh, is that something you'd like to do long term, or is it? So I can't. I can't talk about. We can't talk about that. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So look forward to that happening over the next while. I know that if it's in your head, it'll happen. Um. But uh, so what, what's the plan then over the next while, other than get through this pandemic, try and sort out things, and yeah. get the staff back. I mean that's the thing. it's I, the, the 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 sole focus. I know, I know it's the same for both of us when we go to bed and when we wake up. It's to solidify New York, get New York back on track, um, get get as many people as we can back, mm -hmm. um, and get firing all cylinders. It's going to be a couple of year long process to get back anywhere near where we were. Um, but I mean, listen, there's, there's definitely there's going to be opportunities for us to to capitalize on it. So we're looking at it as an opportunity to fix some things that we we wouldn't have had the opportunity to fix um yeah. with 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 the way that we were we were operating so get new york back online and then get back into the ex expansion plan obviously new orleans is a big part of that 
but what's and, the plan with New Orleans in terms of? I heard things about linking Cuba to Ireland, or is that no, what that? It's just that that was, we were we were we were that was we were looking into stuff like that when we had Blacktail going to kind of complete that track ah. of, of, a, of a story. You but know, we were going to open a bar like with with the whole concept and everything yeah. done called the Galician, um, because it was a connection that sort of brought. Cuba and Ireland together. Yeah. Um, a lot of yeah. people were called Galicia in northern Spain, the um, the seventh Celtic nation. Um, and, it, and it is, a, I, I haven't been. I was actually planning on going this year, mm -hmm. September. I was actually supposed to be there like next month. Um, and I was going to go out there for like two weeks uh, or, or 12 days or whatever. And I was going to, because apparently it is very like Ireland or Scotland, This the, the countryside looks that way and, and the people look different. They, they're more like, like white skin, like we are, for example, and the, their national instrument is like a bagpipe, which is it, it's all and the, the music is very, very like traditional Irish, traditional Scottish music. Yeah. Um, so, so we believe that there was the Celtic connection there, um, and we also uh, knew that a lot of Cubans, um, that like Spanish origin Cubans. Uh, so Cuba is made up of a lot of different nationalities. You've got Africans, you've got French, you've got um, Chinese, you've got uh, like the Spanish, and then. Yeah. It's the Spanish people that would have came to Cuba in the 1920s or whatever, the immigrants, um, yeah. they came from a couple of different areas in Spain. And one was Galicia, one was Asturias, which is right next door to um, Galicia, and the other one would have been the Canary Islands. Um, so we, we knew there was a connection, and, and like Fidel Castro's parents and stuff come from uh, Galicia. Uh, yeah. And it's just we wanted to bring, we were going to call it the Galicia, and it was going to be like a, a Spanish-type pub, Irish pub, Spanish-type Irish pub. That brought Cuba and Ireland together and would have made it make sense because everybody over here asks all the time, What do two Irish people want to open a Cuban bar for? The Americans can't seem to understand it. Um, yeah. I, I don't think people back in Ireland have a problem understanding it. I think they sort of can see similarities, and, 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 and even though we don't speak the same language, they can see similarities. But over yeah. here, people people can't understand, people cannot see the similarities at all. Um, so we want to do something that made, made the whole thing make sense, but that's yeah, not yeah. happening. That's not happening. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I'm sure there'll be stuff that comes. So, to get, to get back to New Orleans, it's go we're going to be opening a tap room. That's the model for moving forward. So we're going to be doing everything that we do in this floor. Um, we've worked really hard to, to, to bridge the difference between the, the tap room and the parlor in terms of the cocktail level. But yeah. we're, our whole focus now is to, is to, is to show Americans what a, in as many cities it makes sense, what a, what a proper Irish pub ought to be, um, obviously with our emphasis on quality products. Okay. One of the things that uh, I have been hearing as well is talks about a Broadway show or some Hollywood kind of story. Is that all crap or is it? Well, Broadway is like thinking 10 years ahead. It's, it has to start off in Belfast first, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so Jack's, Jack's, the night that me and Jack left uh, Belfast, we had a sort of party in the back room of the Duke of York. And Jack's mom and I were sitting there and they said, they're both like, community playwrights back in Belfast and uh, well my mum has passed away but Jack's Jack's mum and my mum they write um, and they perform mostly for the community Jack's mum sort of made a bigger name because she would have played it was well known in Belfast City Centre but the they both sat there and were, were drinking their Belfast martinis which is a smart of vodka and, and coke uh, yeah. so they were drinking their Belfast martinis and they said to each other we should write a play about these two idiots uh, <laughs> we were going to New York like the next month so yeah. that's that's where the sort of idea about this play about these two idiots and uh, in, in the mass sense and it was they weren't yeah. really idiots but they basically said that's where to play and that she then said that to somebody else the mass said that so who said it to somebody else and all of a right. sudden fuck we've got an idea um, so 
the, the person that's taken it, uh, Murray Jones is probably, I would say Northern Ireland's top playwright. Um, but when Murray Jones opens a new play in Belfast, it's a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. and, and we think, we tend to think that the Murray Jones stroke dead rabbit connection in Belfast would be a winner. Um, yeah. And it's telling the story, it's rags rich, it's the story of me and him coming here. And, and there's a lot of humor in that, a lot of, a lot of darkness, a lot of madness. But it's two yeah. Belfast boys, lo- lo- local small town boys, like as in coming from Mardine, North Belfast, going over to New York and taking on the Medi Jant and beating it, yeah. like back in those days, um, where Jack wins best bartender and all. And it's, it's a very emotional night that night. Um, but it's that whole journey. And I, I, think it would, I think it would go down well in Belfast. Um, and I think we, based on the success of Belfast, I think Dublin would be right next. Uh, yeah. but, but I think we need to make a name in Belfast. We need to get people talking about it in Belfast, our hometown. And then yeah. I think we could take it in different, par- different parts of Ireland. But yes, we've got big plans for it. And we think if it could be, Mary Jones has had like big success internationally. Like, you know, she's, yeah. not, like, yeah. she's not confined to Belfast by any means. She's, uh, she's written plays that have been brought, brought to Broadway, brought over the world. And yeah. we, we think if it, if it does well in Belfast and Dublin next, then we will look at Edinburgh. We'll look at taking it on a global yeah. New York, obviously New York. Um, and then we'll see what happens. But listen, yeah. I, I believe in the play. I think the play, and I believe in Murray Jones as a writer, I think the play could do well, and it could yeah. be Broadway, but it's certainly not going to be Broadway next year. Well, <laughs> look forward to attending that one when it happens. In the, what is it? What's the name of the concert hall in the... Carnegie, uh, Carnegie, Carnegie, Carnegie. Carnegie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what was it going to... Uh, Jack, you're, you're, you're not bartending at the moment then, so what are you kind of doing? What's your role now? So... When I stopped bartending, I uh, I started I, I try to look for gaps and try to fill the gaps. So when we first opened, like our, our whole thing with Irish whiskey, when we first opened, we we had all these Irish whiskeys, but neither of us knew about Irish whiskey. Um, so mm-hmm. the gap that needed to be filled then was find out as much about Irish whiskey, go to all the distilleries. So back then, that was the, th- the, the, the three distilleries. Yeah. Obviously, I've went and seen as, uh, as much as I can since then. Um, but when I stopped bartending, it, it became operations and, and, and standards and training and, and educating and recruitment um, yeah. and, and basically learning the systems and structure so that when we scale and get bigger, that we don't dilute what we're about. You know, well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, obviously, if you're opening five bars, do yeah. you end up diluting yourself and diluting the brand or so stretching it up too thin? I don't, I don't think so. I think we would if we opened the tap room and parlor in every place that we we went yeah. into. I think by get being hyper focused on what we call our facts, which is our food, the authentic Irish hospitality, our cocktails, and the trifecta, which is uh, our Guinness, our, our Irish uh, whiskey, and our Irish coffee and okay. Irish whiskey cocktails. Um, I think by focusing on those four things, building all the infrastructure so that we execute that, I think we'll, I think, I believe we can do it. Now, it's the thing that keeps myself showing up at nights. Well, not nights right now because of the virus, but the, we do, we, we've been to bars where it's been the third or fourth iteration of that bar in, in different cities. And yeah. they've been terrible. And, you know, and we, we do not want the rabbit to become that. We want it to be everything that it is here, but with, with a local twist. Um, and we want it to be executed at a very high level. So I'm confident that we can do that. But if you're asking me what my focus is, that's what my, that's what my full focus is, is is, is on those type of things. And uh, the the cities that we're going to are like deliberately chosen. Yeah. We're not just opening in the dead rabbit for the sake of Like New Orleans is 100% deliberately chosen because we think the tap room will work well in that city. And we think we'll embrace the city. The city will embrace us. It's it's mutual respect. And I, we we want to go to New Orleans and we're we're excited about it. Yeah. Um, and, And listen, we're, 
it's a light at the end of the tunnel for us. It's like a, that is the thing that keeps us going right now. Well, do you need that? Do you do you need to have that goal at the end every day to have something to look at? At the end of, at the end of the COVID, you need to have that light because you just yeah, don't, yeah. you need you need to think this is still happening. This is still happening. But yeah. the one thing I'd like to say, uh, going back to your the thing you were talking to Jack about a second ago, when we came here, um, so when we opened the bar eight years ago, whatever it was, um, the we had a big Irish whiskey selection, you know, like uh, yeah. like the Duke of York and Belfast, and uh, but nobody knew anything about Irish whiskey. I mean, it was mm. just there was just bottles in the back of the bar. You can't do that in New York. Um, you can do that in Belfast. You can make people do that in Dublin. You can't do yeah. it in New York. See if you open a big whiskey bar and you're Irish yeah. whiskey, you're expected to know about it, and that's it. Uh, they this city is full of whiskey drinkers, and yeah. they, know, they know their stuff about whiskey. Yeah. Irish whiskey is a thing that's new to them because they, up until recently, it was only really Jameson or or, or Pars. It was and, a slamming drink, wasn't it? Yeah, a shot yeah. drink. Yeah. yeah. So, so they never really, they never really took it seriously. But but what happened was they were taking Scotch seriously, they were taking Japanese whiskey seriously, they were taking Irish whiskey or sorry, American whiskey very seriously. Um, so they never really took Irish whiskey. So now that all of a sudden Irish whiskey is a serious thing, and they're they're they want to know more about it because it's that part of it's that category of whiskey that they don't know much about. So they're very yeah. keen because they need to know because they're whiskey connoisseurs. See yeah. if you open a whiskey bar here in this city and you don't want to hang about it, you are doomed because yeah, yeah. They, they want to talk about whiskey. They don't want to talk. If you're known as a whiskey bar, you've got to know about whiskey. But it's the same with, I think it's changing now here, but I mean, similarly with cocktails, I mean, they know their cocktails, you yeah. know, they're no messing around and trying to pull the wool over their eyes. Same with their cigars. But, you know, it's a, but, and anybody that thinks they can just go over to the States and put a shamrock on something and be successful in their business is, is yeah. so mistaken. It's, and, you know, I actually, I've seen it in bars and I've seen it in brands of whiskey as well. And unfortunately, they, they don't really wash long term with uh, with people. Yeah. Certainly not with me anyway. But um, look, I'm, as I say, I was going to mention this and talk about how did that come about? And what was the reason that you decided to launch your own? So... Listen, the with with the whiskey, we've obviously we've always we've a huge emphasis on Irish whiskey, um, and the opportunity uh, came about with 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 Dead Rabbit, and the, and the partnership was quite essential to make our own to make our own blend. Um, so, with with that opportunity, there was only so much we could do within the remit of the juice that we had and and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So the, the the focus was just to make it a point of difference and to kind of have a. a a slightly drier, edgier style of Irish whiskey. So obviously the ABV comes into that, and the uh, the Virgin Oak gives it gives it that bit of edge at the at the end of it. Forty four percent, I thought, was an unusual percentage. Yeah. You know, yeah. So we tried all the way from from the forty right up to the low fifties, um, mm -hmm. and then within that we tried with the with the Virgin Oak. We tried like we tried it from four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. We tried all the way through. You know, so we picked. We settled on what we settled with, and and uh, don't get me wrong, it's a blend, but it's a it's a high quality blend. The bottle yeah. looks brilliant. It's adaptable. It works in cocktails. It works in in highballs. Um, but we definitely intend to to add some other marks within within that in in due course. So it's yeah. something we're very proud of. You know, it seems to be going very well in America, and, and we've obviously it's seen going it. well here. I think as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, oh, we're very happy with it here. For, for an entry-level Irish whiskey, we think yeah. it's very good. You know? oh, I think it's above an entry-level, to be fair to you guys. I think it's above an entry. And uh, look forward to what's going to come out in the... Look, I mean, you talk... you guys are very busy guys. What do you do when you're not working? Uh, we in the few minutes that you... 
I know you're a runner, yeah. No, we both we both we both run and read and uh, spend time with the with the with the, with the partners, you know. So that's that's really what's keeping us going at the at the moment. And then talk to like we're doing a couple of these. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, and we're just then fully focused on on what's happening around us and and getting ready for when we reopen, you know. Yeah. Let me see. There's a couple of questions in that I can't read because I'm blind. So, <laughs> uh, so Michael Matthews is here and he's saying uh, Jack would be a great advocate to talk to young people here in Dublin on the dangers of alcoholism so that's a uh, and then brilliant comment about Jack from Jim McDowell I know Big Jim too great guy everybody knows uh, everybody back home oh look <laughs> you, 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 it's it's crazy like and I didn't even spend that much time up there I seem I've met an awful lot I mean Breen uh, I'm sure Kieran Breen. Did he have a Connor Breen brother? Uh, I, Sean Breen? I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. I don't know where the Connor Breen is. It was I up in the, the, the Eagle Bar at the bottom of Clintonville Street. I don't believe so. Yeah. I'll ask yeah. him the next time I see Kieran, but I, yeah, I don't sure. believe so. I've heard of Connor Breen. No, I don't yeah. know. I just heard of the name. Uh, it says the revolution of whiskey up north in recent years is brilliant to see and great for Irish whiskey, and the lads are an extension of that. I, I mean, uh, take off my headset instead of my eyes. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been drinking, but look, um, I mean, everybody I've sp spoken to is is in uh, really holds you in very high esteem, and, and I know that's it's a very well earned reputation to have, and you've worked hard for it, and you've done an awful lot for Irish whiskey. Uh, obviously, stateside, you, you, you've also been involved in humanitarian efforts. I call them humanitarian efforts as well. Um, and you should be really proud of that. And I I love meeting with you. I love talking to you. And I hope to see you in this neck of the woods soon. Maybe we'll catch up in Belfast when you're when you're over again. Is there um there's a few questions in Ah, here we go. Would you like to this is the problem? <laughs> Would you like to work closer with farmers? And grow the grain. Yeah. That's from Bobby Miller, who is uh, Bobby. Hi, how are you? Is a member of the Irish Grain Growers Association. So it's a good question from. Yeah, so it sounds interesting for sure. I mean, we love, yeah. but uh, I think it's water. Water for they're, they're, they're doing that and utilizing yeah. black block block chain technology. So I think that that's definitely the. I think yeah. that that's really cool, and that's definitely listen. We're we're, we're anything that that uh, gives Irish whiskey further uniqueness. We're fully on board with anything. Anything we can do for Ireland at all, you know that yeah, way. Like, well, I mean, I do see it, and if actually, we, if we could get I Irish beef here, we'd be using Irish beef, you know. Yeah, maybe not in the cocktail. Oh, maybe, maybe. I mean, uh, yeah. One of the things that struck me is actually how how generous you were with your support when other people won the uh, whiskey bar of the year or the bar of the year. I thought that was really nice to see. So, look, I don't, I don't think your time has come. I don't think you're out of fashion at all. I think you're very much at the hub of what's happening in Irish whiskey, particularly in the States. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see you extend that to the rest of the world. I'd love to see it in Belfast, particularly. For me, that would be really special. Yeah, and I, I just think the one thing I'd say, people have asked before at the uh, whiskey things, seminars and stuff that they have back in Dublin, what, what do we think people could do to be promoting Irish whiskey? And I just think, honestly, we did the pub tour of Ireland. Okay, it was a lot of it was old pubs. No. 160 pubs, 160. And we would have asked out of curiosity, um, Irish coffee. 
every single time. Yeah. And only a handful of only a handful of places make it, and uh, only only an even smaller handful of places make it anyway decent. Like, yeah. It's it's hassle for a lot of people, and I understand it. But if we yeah. could all if we could all just take that drink seriously um, and, and treat it as like our national cocktail, I just think we would do so much for Irish whiskey category because people would be curious about what's in that. You know, and there's your chance Irish whiskey. What's Irish? If I see you know? if I see it out of a if I see cream come out of a can again, I'll be upset. <laughs> <laughs> but look, thank you very much for your time uh, and thank you for being on the show. Really wish you get through this crap, and I, I no doubt you'll come through it stronger and better. And look forward to seeing you over here. So look after yourselves. Sergio, thank you for everything that you're doing for the category. Well, thanks for of, course, having us on. of course, thank you. Well, thanks thank very you. much as well. So look, look after yourselves and uh, we'll make the podcast available for everybody to be able to download if anybody wants to have a read. I'm sure lots of interest. We're like we have a huge number of people I had on already and uh, I'm sure I ignored lots of people's questions. So apologies. <laughs> lot there. Look, I've kept you long enough, although it's still early there, so... <laughs> but I want to go home and get my dinner. So, <laughs> <laughs> look, take care of yourselves. Thanks a lot. Yes, Thank all you. the best. Thank I'll you. See you later. Cheers. Bye bye. Okay, so just want to thank the guys again. That was a really interesting chat with the Jack and Steve, uh, Jack and Sean, and I, I know that uh, they have some huge plans and some interesting stuff to come ahead. Just uh, ourselves before we go, uh, we had some big news ourselves today. Uh, I suppose we've been working through COVID and, and typical times it's hard to get uh, to print at the moment with uh, backlogs and re reduced staff working in print. So our next issue uh, of Irish Whiskey Magazine is going to be September. So we're delayed about eight weeks with that. Uh, we have been working though in and um, behind the scenes, I suppose, working on a, developing a new website and bringing the magazine online and uh, I want to thank uh, a few people for their the help in getting us that done. And uh, Andrew Rooney has been working with us. Andrew Rooney, who was doing Dublin Whiskey Tour, has been working with me for the last three or four months. And with the website going live today, we just want to announce it. And I want to thank Andrew for his help in actually helping us achieve that and, and in the moral support as well. So I think if we can show the the trail of what we've been working on. And if you're interested, go and have a look. And uh, that's it. Uh, if you're going to go down. So that's uh, launching the, the website. I was, thought it was apt to have the, the guys from the Dead Rabbit on since they were in issue one of the magazine. So if you're interested, go and have a look at um, irishwhiskeymagazine.com. A lot of you will get an email anyway with special offer. And uh, stay safe until next week. We'll announce our guests later on in the week. And uh, good evening. Thank you.